The Firstborn by Jamesine Cundle Walker I remember that one moment in time like it was yesterday. I couldn't decide whether I was sitting halfway up the stairs or halfway down. Didn't Christopher Robin have something to say about that? But then maybe nowadays no one reads Winnie the Pooh to the kids. They just watch it on Disney. My little boy was too young for that then. Either way, it doesn't matter because it seemed like a good place to sit and think about the meaning of life. The meaning of life. 42. I used to love Hitchhiker's Guide on the radio. I wasn't much more than half of 42 on that day and yet I suddenly felt as if my life was over. I sat there asking a big question. Once you've created the next generation, is that it? I remember thinking it should have been a happy, peaceful moment. I'd done all the rushing around, early feed, breakfast, him off to work, the baby finally quiet upstairs, a a peaceful hour just for me, too, if I was really lucky. But instead of enjoying the peace, all I could think of was, what's next? What's next for me in this new world I've created? Caroline would have loved to have been sitting there, halfway up the stairs. If you were quiet, you could imagine you could hear the gentle sound of the baby's breathing. But you couldn't. Not really. The door was closed. Why is it that the people who most want children seem to be the most unlucky when it comes to getting pregnant? Caroline and John had tried for years. In the end, they saved up loads for IVF and it still didn't happen. Now, now how can that be fair? For me, though, it seemed as though I just thought about it and I was pregnant. Perhaps we should try for a baby? Turned into, sweetheart, I'm expecting, within just a few weeks. And it was such an easy pregnancy once the sickness had stopped. My firstborn was big and bouncing with a smiley moon face. Slept well too, day and night, and, and very easy to feed. What more could you ask for? But all the time there's this voice inside me that says, what about me? I'm still here, you know. Now I'll never just be me again. I'll always be someone's mum. You hear them talk in the supermarket, don't you? Who's she? Oh, you know, Kylie's mum. Kylie's invisible mum. Before that moment, my life was all about always about what was going to happen next and I got used to living like that I liked it I was a bright little thing at school though I say it myself and I shouldn't whatever they threw at me I did no problems you've got a very bright little girl there Mrs Stevens she'll go far and I did exams no problem and always boyfriend sometimes two at a time the most popular girl in the street my dad used to say and it was true Well, the boys didn't put me off my studies. Oh, no. Always time for homework, which meant I was the first in the family to go to university. Oh, I know that might seem ordinary to you, but not where I live. Especially if you're a girl. They still mostly end up on the checkouts at Tesco. Although, strangely, I hear Aldi and Little pay better these days. Can you believe that? (laughs) The budget supermarkets. One of the neighbours told me that as she sat there, beeping away at a till. I remember how they all came to the station to wave me off for Freshers' Week. (laughs) 
didn't realise I'd need a whole new vocabulary too when I went to university. Uni, you have to call it. It was hard, that first year away from home. There were lots of snobs. Well, maybe they weren't snobs really, but I didn't hang around with that crowd, the one that knew everything and everybody. I found them too intimidating. And for the first time, I didn't have boyfriends, not even one, never mind two. And the work was hard. Instead of lots of A's and loads of encouragement from my teachers, suddenly I was on my own with nothing but a C for company. The students were funny too, you know, strange, like loads of contradictions. Sometimes they seemed just like a gang of immature babies. God, the things they couldn't work out for themselves, especially to do with buses for some reason. But in other ways, they were so sophisticated. I mean, they knew all the cocktails and what to order in the restaurants and they were forever eating out or ordering takeaways. But none of them could make a cottage pie. Never mind a Yorkshire pudding. If I hadn't have known how disappointed mum and dad would be, I would have rung up and said I'm coming home. But I didn't. So I learned a few tricks, you know, ways to cope. If I was on my own, I always carried a big, impressive book. It was before the days of sitting there texting all night and pretending you were having hilariously funny conversations on your phone when really there was no one on the other end. Ridiculous now to think I I could have saved my reputation with a mobile. Anyway, it was towards the end of that first year that I met Keith. In a bar, whilst I was staring at my impressive book, he just walked right up and said, Are you really reading that book? That's what I fell for. He was so straightforward. He's, He's a plumber, you see. There was never any nonsense with Keith. Straight to the point. And he adored me. I could see that. Being a plumber's wife was not exactly what I'd seen as my destiny, but hey. (laughs) So I didn't need to go to all the parties where people shouted in loud voices and had the right hair. (laughs) I could sit on my own in the refect now because I was the one with the flashy engagement ring. Somebody wanted me that much. (laughs) Nothing to prove anymore. The wedding was... A less than perfect day. I I don't know why it always turns out to be more important to please some distant auntie from South Wales than it is to please the bride, but that seems to be the way of weddings. And of course, in those days, you relied on the presents to furnish the house, not just pay for an exotic honeymoon like they do now. So, I mean, you had to ask them all. I didn't really do much with my degree. Joined the civil service. (laughs) Boring. But it was pretty well paid, comparatively, especially for a woman. But the girls who'd gone straight from school made my life hell. I got paid more than them, but they were the ones who knew how to do the job. Well, that wasn't my fault, was it? Well, that's where I met Caroline. She's older than me, Caroline. Dead, sensible and mature, but we got on great. She always used to eat... We always used to eat our sandwiches on this bench if it was free cheese and tomato usually and prawn on a Friday to celebrate the weekend. That's when I found out how long she'd been trying for a baby over the cheese and tomato. She was getting desperate. 38's not that old, is it? She thought she was on a last chance. It was Caroline who got me thinking about babies really and, and work was boring so I thought well why not give it a try? Keith was certainly up for it if you'll pardon the expression. 
It had taken Caroline years and she still wasn't pregnant. And there we were. Perhaps we should try for a baby. Turned into sweetheart. I'm expecting within just a few weeks. I was terrified the day I broke the news at work. I mean, how would she react? But she was so kind. Genuinely thrilled, I think. She even came to the scan because Keith was on call and there was an emergency at work. So when the baby arrived, I suppose it's natural I turned to her for a lot of support and advice. I mean, she'd read more books about it than my mum or Keith. Keith doesn't really do reading. But then... One day, I saw the tears in her eyes when she was holding him. She tried to turn away, but it was too late. I'd seen her. I guess she felt that she'd lost her own babies and now she'd lost me too. That's what she was crying for. And here I am, mother of a new baby sitting halfway up or halfway down the stairs, not moving, just sitting. I don't have the energy to lift a finger, to move anything, to feel anything. Because I know, sitting here, that however long I wait, I'll never hear the snuffles and cries of my waking baby. Not anymore. The embroidery on the little pillowcase looked so pretty as the gentle breathing died away. And I thought of Caroline as I did it. Because, you know, because it wasn't fair, was it? The Firstborn was performed by Beth Townsend. Sound by Chris Condal. This was an Ilkley Playhouse production.